You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. John 15 is where we're going to be this morning. And John 15 will be out of our Genesis series. I want to preach this morning on, on the subject of friendship. And there are a lot, of, a lot of ideas of what a true friend is. Uh, someone once said, good friends uh, don't let you do dumb things alone. So that's a good friend. Somebody else said, friends buy you food. Best friends eat your food. Uh, somebody else said, a true friend picks you up when you fall after they're done laughing. So that's... I think there's some skewed views of friendship out there, uh, strange ideas about true friendship, but the most accurate assessment of friendship comes from Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read this passage. If you wouldn't mind, let's stand and honor the reading of the scripture. I've already made you stand a couple of extra times today anyway, so let's just do it again. You know, but we do stand out of respect of God's word. Um, this is a very simple message this morning, um, and the, but the idea is this. A true friend lets you in. A true friend lets you in. Let's read, beginning verse 9, John 15, verse 9. It says, as the Father hath loved me, this is Jesus Christ speaking, and the words are in red, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And here's where we get into the part about friendship. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. It's a lot of rich truth in this passage, but I want to focus on what Jesus says about friendship. And just remind you again that a true friend lets you in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the truth this morning. I pray that you bless it. Help me to convey it in a clear way. And I pray that our hearts even right now, Lord, I, I know we have guests here this morning. And those guests, who knows where they, where, what's on their hearts, what, what the burden is on their minds. And I know we have members here this morning that have burdens and they're carrying things. God, I pray that you would help us, every one of us, Lord, your Holy Spirit to, to just be distraction free. 
that our hearts and our minds will be focused completely on your word and on this truth. Because I believe you want to do something spiritually life-changing in somebody's heart this morning. We pray that you would receive the attention and the focus that you deserve. May it help our hearts and minds to be completely tuned in to what your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about this morning. We pray you bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In January of 2009, Burger King ran an ad campaign where they said if you would unfriend 10 of your Facebook friends, they would send you a coupon for a free Whopper. You know, the way it was supposed to work was that when you unfriended the person, then Burger King would send them a notification that they had been unfriended for a delicious hamburger, which was supposed to make you say, wow, this burger must be something. Well, I, I think if that happened to me, I would say, wow, what kind of a friend is that? But, you know, to each their own. Well, the New York Times posted or reported that the stunt worked too well. Within the first week, 233,906 friendships were terminated. And Burger King was obligated to 23,000 Whoppers and had to discontinue the ad. <laughs> you know, what a sign of the times. You know, I know that's silly, but it reflects our culture's view of friendship. And that most people don't know what it is to pursue genuine friendships. And it used to be that friendship and interaction with people was about conversation. And now it seems that people think interacting is sending a one-word text or reading what someone posted online. Before COVID, this is before COVID, I saw a survey that said 27% of millennials say they don't have any close friends. It was the same was true, 15% of, uh, of Gen Xers and 9% of baby boomers said the same things. And I imagine it's worse now after COVID. You know, and it seems like the more recent generation, now we're into Gen Z or whatever they, they call it, they, they're the most social media savvy. They have the most interactions on social media. They have the most friends, they have the most likes, they have the most subscribers, and yet they're the loneliest. You know, and they may have fun, hundreds of friends or followers or subscribers, yet many of them say in that generation that they don't have a meaningful relationship with someone that they consider a true friend. And it's not surprising when you consider the, the increasing isolation of our culture. We have, we have so many screens between us. We've spent almost two years uh, being encouraged or programmed to, to create space between us. But listen, I'm just here to tell you this morning that that is not the way we were designed to live. A screen or digital communication or even online services, as, as thankful as I am for some of that technology, they can't replace face-to-face -face interactions and friendships. You were made for friendship. Why? Well, because you were made in the image of God. And God is a God of relationships. He created Adam in his own image there in the garden. He placed him in the garden. Why? Well, for a relationship of fellowship. And after putting Adam in the garden in Genesis 2.18, God looked at Adam and said, it is not good that man should be alone. Why would God say that? Well, because Adam was created in God's image and God is a God of relationships. So God looked at Adam and said, he needs a relationship because he's been created in my image and I want relationships. So God gave Eve to Adam. He gave him a friend. 
He gave him a companion. And listen, we need connection. We need friendships. And if you don't believe, believe that, read the statistics about those, those poor babies, the orphans or those uh, who are born and then uh, put up for adoption or given to an orphanage uh, that, that don't bond with their mothers early on. Just go through and read the statistics and the side effects of those poor babies that, that don't bond with a parent early in their childhood. And those side effects, those effects last uh, for their whole lives. Adam needed a companion. He was alone. He was even, what I believe he was lonely. He looked at the, this set of animals and said, well, they have a companion. And this set of animals, they have a companion and they have a companion. And in some ways he said, but where's mine? And he was lonely. You know, you recognize that loneliness, loneliness isn't wrong. Loneliness is because you were designed for friendship. Loneliness is a natural byproduct of, of you not having connection with somebody. It's not wrong. It's, it's part of your nature coming through. And you might say, well, uh, well, I'm a loner. Well, maybe you lean that way. But it doesn't change the truth that we were made for friendship. I mean, I, there's some people that are a one friend person. You know what I mean by that? Some people, they always have one friend, one close friend, and that's good enough for them. There are some people that are, we have in our own family, we got five children there. We have some, some that are one friend people, and we have some that are, you know, five friend people. And then we have some that are like, if there is a party and there's 300 people, they want to be friends with all of them. You fit in one of those categories. But the truth is, you need a friend. And if we were made for friendship, then we must seek to understand what the right kind of friendship looks like. That's why we came to John 15, because Jesus is explaining friendship in its purest form. And the reason we should take note of this is because Jesus reveals what kind of friend he is. Which means there's no better example of friendship than Jesus who, are, who sets our ultimate standard in every way. And he gives us the foundation of friendship here. And if you're, if you're talking about foundations, you're talking about um, something that you set, that you, that you build on. And I would say that the pillar number one of the foundation of friendship, I would say it's very clearly it's God's love. Look at verse 9. He says, as the Father hath loved, hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. You know what Jesus tells the disciples here? He tells them that he loves them like his father loves him. That's a pretty significant love, by the way. I can't even begin to imagine or understand how God loves Jesus. God's love for Jesus is love that has no beginning and it has no end. It's love that is close and personal and yet it's love that's without measure and unchanging. That's the kind of love that God the Father has for his son Jesus Christ. But Jesus turns around and tells his disciples that they are to love each other like his father loves him. Wow. And you say, well that's impossible. Except that Jesus says it is possible. See, the glue for friendship is the decision to love. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loveth at all time, a brother is born for adversity. Pillar number one, and, and again, we're moving quick because I want to spend most of, the time, most of the time on application. But pillar number one in the foundation for friendship is love. And if that's the case, according to what Jesus says here, pillar number two in the foundation of friendship is obedience. Look at verse 10. 
He says, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So the second pillar or foundation of friendship is obedience. You say, well, that's kind of weird, because I don't ask my friends to obey me. Well, no, what Jesus is saying is that friends must share the same values. Jesus is saying, listen, if we're going to be friends, if we're going to have a relationship, then you must, basically, you've got to do what my father says. You've got to share my values. You have to operate on the same level. Listen, friendship is built on love, but it's carried out by two people who operate by the same values. You know that to be true. It's near impossible to be friends with somebody with different values than you have. It's hard. Um, I I think C.S. Lewis is the one that said friendship is like two people walking into the room and saying, oh, you too? You know, I mean, you have something in common with them. Uh, Hobbies, uh, same likes. If you're in the same stage of life with somebody else, then then you 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 have shared values. But according to Jesus... And pay attention because we'll get, we'll get to the, the point of friendship in a moment. But according to Jesus, the purest friendships you'll ever have will be established around God's word. The shared values of God's word are the strongest bonds of friendship. God's word teaches us all about friendship. It teaches us all about love. And if we obey it, it's strong friendship. By the way, if you're looking for friends, if you're looking for for people that you can have a strong bond with and have a strong foundation with, then then, then find a group of people that that are passionate about obeying God's word and get in with them and you'll find out what strong friendships really are. God's word teaches us all about friendship and if we obey it, it'll be strong. But look at the result of friendship in its purest form. Look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full or may be full, might be full. See, the result of pure friendship is overflowing joy. You know that. You ever had a friend who you didn't really even have to do anything special with, but when you spent time with them, I'm telling you, joy just overflows. You, don't, you can be yourself completely. You don't have to worry about saying something that you regret or not being yourself. Or uh, You can just be yourself. There are few things more joy-giving than a great friend, one who loves you and one who shares your values. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The foundation of friendship summed up right there is that we love each other the way that God has loved us and we love each other around God's word. That's the kind of friendship that Christ makes possible. But he explains it even more. So he goes from the foundation of friendship and he gets to the focus of friendship. Look at verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know what the focus of friendship is? Friends. You say, okay, Captain Obvious, what are you trying to say? No, so many people, here's how people define friendship in our culture. So many people define friendship in our culture by what's in it for me. In a marriage, there are marriages and they're established on this principle, what's in it for me? And if I don't get what I want out of this relationship, I'm out. That's how our culture views marriage now, which by the way, should be the greatest example on earth of friendship. And so marriage is treated like, what's in it for me? If you don't make me happy, I'm out. Well, friendship is the same way. 
And friendship in our culture, in our society, in our mindset now is, if I don't get what I want out of this friendship, I'm gone. I don't need you. I will unfriend you for a whopper. So, you know, that's, that's the opposite of what Christ says is pure friendship. Because the focus of pure friendship is the other person, not yourself. He says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Pure friendship is sacrifice. And Jesus tells them what the greatest love is, to lay down your life for your friends. The focus of the tr of truest friends is their friends. It's not about me, it's about others. And he was about to exhibit true friendship, love, shortly after this. Because just a, a few chapters later, Jesus Christ would lay down his life for his friends. But he didn't just lay down his life for his friends, by the way. He laid down his life for his enemies. He laid down his life for every person that's ever walked this earth, including yourself and myself. He would submit himself to die on a cross for the sins of the whole world, all of ours included. Have you ever had a friend who sacrificed their time for you? You ever have a friend who gave a lot of energy for you, who gave something up for you? Have you ever had a friend who it cost them something financially? Have you ever had, ever had a friend that, that, that sacrificed their home or a room in their home or their couch? Have you ever had a friend that, that was majorly inconvenienced for you when you needed it the most? Think about how much it means to you to have a friend willing to go the distance for you. That's friendship in its purest form. A true friend doesn't approach friendship from the perspective on what they can gain, but from what they can give. And nothing makes you feel so loved as when a friend gives with no expectation of return. And listen, I have a lot of friends like that. I have friends who give and they think about me way more than I think about them. And I want to be that kind of friend. I want to be a better friend. But I'm telling you, it makes you feel special when someone loves you like that. A friend lays down their life for their friends, giving, not gaining, sacrificing, not selfishness. And so far, if we could sum up friendship, so I'm just trying to establish what friendship should, should be built on. And if we summed it up, we would say friendship is these words. Well, it starts with God's love. And, it's, and it's, the glue is shared values, or in this case, God's commandments. But it goes further, and it says that true, that true friendship is lived out in sacrifice. You've got love, you've got shared values, and you've got sacrifice. Okay, but what does it look like? Well, Jesus is about to really explain it because he presents the principles of friendship but shows them what it looks like next. Look at verse 14. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, notice, the first thing to notice is this. Jesus says, ye are my friends. See, he was the, he was the one initiating the friendship he was the one that was saying, hey, well, he was the one reaching out. He was initiating this. It's just another example of the fact that God desires a relationship with us. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And he was reaching out to these commoners. These guys were fishermen and they were tax collectors. They were not exactly the most respected people. But here's the king of kings offering his friendship to them. He says, ye are my friends. And he goes further in verse 15. He says, henceforth I call you not servants, 
For the servant knoweth not what the, his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father. I have made known unto you. He tells his disciples, he tells them they're not servants, they're his friends. And I just want you to get it here. Jesus is God. He is creator. He is the most important person in the entire universe. And yet he extends his hand of friendship to people like us. Have you ever been around someone who keeps you at arm's length? And they never really open up to you. And you always wonder if, if you're getting the real picture of who they are. We can be like that with each other. We can keep each other at arm's length. We can assume an area of superiority based on position or, or talent or upbringing. But I want you to just pay attention today that that's not how Jesus operates. Jesus lets people in. Look again at verse 15. He says, I don't call you servants. But he says, basically, I call you friends. There's a big difference between servants and friends. Servants would be something similar to our understanding of a low-level employee... And maybe you've worked somewhere, have you ever worked somewhere where there was a hierarchy at work? And you've got, you know, management is up here, but then you have all the other employees down here. You've got management up here, they, they kind of do their thing and no one is allowed in the meetings, no one else is allowed in the room and everyone else is down there. You know, there, there are situations like that, you know, servants are, are just tools for the master basically. There's a big gap between the two. They just obey and servants don't get in on personal matters. But Jesus says, I want more from you. I don't, I don't want robots who just do what I say. I want companions that I can interact with. And here's where Jesus Christ's heart for friendship comes out. A true friend will let you in. You know, and, and I'm from Oklahoma, so in my mind it really rhymed when I was thinking about it. A true friend will let you in. But it's true. A true friend will let you in. A true friend is not like this. A true friend is like this. A true friend doesn't keep you at arm's length. A true friend says, come in close. A true friend will let you in. Listen, we're not just talking about you or me, though. We're talking about the king of kings. And the king of kings wants you to be in his inner circle. Jesus says, I want more from you. I don't just want servants. I want interaction. I want to share my life with you. I want you to know me. This isn't a caste system. This is face-to-face -face fellowship. And it's amazing when you consider the difference between us and God that he would want to be friends with you and me because the gap is enormous. God made Adam in his image and placed him in the garden so they could enjoy a relationship of true fellowship. And just think about that. That was before Adam had sinned. And think about how big the gap was then. You've got creator and you've got creation. There's a huge gap. But think about how much bigger that gap became the day that Adam looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and said, I will choose to disobey rather than follow God. And he disobeyed. And now suddenly it's not just a creator-creation gap. It's now a holy and sinless versus sinner gap. And the gap between us is so large that we can't even really comprehend it. We were singing How Great Thou Art this morning, and He is great. But we could reverse that and say How Great Thou Art and How Absolutely Low and Worthless and Sinful I Am. 
Because compared to God, there's a huge gap between us. And when Adam sinned, it just got bigger. And the reason, now you say, well, why would God put a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden? Because God wanted to give Adam the choice. He wanted him to choose to love. See, listen, if God had just put Adam in the Garden of Eden and Adam had no choice but to love, then in some ways Adam was like, well, I have no choice. I just have to obey and love God. But by putting something else in the garden that Adam could have chosen, he was, God was basically giving Adam the choice to love him. He wasn't creating robots. He was giving him an opportunity to choose God, and yet Adam chose to disobey. He chose sin. And that was a, cat, a catastrophe. And it's a domino effect that is passed on to you and I. See, the gap between us and God, we think maybe we're evolving and we're getting better. And we're, getting, we're, we're kind of you know, improving. But listen, the gap between God and us has never been closed with, with, without supernatural intervention. The gap between a sinner and a holy God is the same distance as it was back in the garden as it is right now. Sin is our problem. And I really want you to focus in this morning. If you've come this morning and you're seeking something, right now is when I'm just asking that you would in your heart pray and say, God, would you please work in my heart right now? Because sin is our problem. God is holy, God is sinless, and we are not. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, there's a huge gap between us. And it doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter how righteous you think you are. Because compared to a holy God, it doesn't amount to much. No matter how hard we try or no matter how, how perfect we think that we can be, we cannot change our nature. We sin because we are sinners and sin is our problem. And because of sin, sin is our problem and hell is the consequence. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And listen, that death, it's not just talking about physical death. It means separation from God forever. And we deserve to be separated from God because we stand guilty before a holy God. He is holy. We are not. We are guilty. We have broken his law. And as much as you've tried to bridge the gap, all the religious things that we've ever done in our lives can't do anything to help that gap. Church attendance is wonderful, but it won't fix your sin problem. Baptismal waters aren't enough to wash it away. A moral life can't erase the consequences. Good intentions aren't enough. Listen, with sin as our problem and hell as the consequence, we needed a friend. We needed a friend that would lay down his life for us and let us in. We needed somebody that would sacrifice himself and do what we could not. We needed somebody that would love us and give himself for us. Who knew that it would come in the form of God's own son, Jesus Christ? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what he was saying? I'll let you in. He said in John 10, 9, he said, I am the door. I want to let you in. 
He loved and, and sacrificed himself for you in John 3.16... The reason you see it at football stadiums is because it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what God's message on the cross was? I want to let you in. For God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed himself on a cross for our sins because he knew there was a gap there we could never overcome on our own. That gap could only be filled by Jesus Christ. The cross bridges the gap. John 15, 13, he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What he was about to do on a cross for them. Henceforth I... I call you not servants, I have called you friends. The best friend you could ever ask for wants to let you into heaven. Listen, the best friend you could ask for, he wants to let you in. And he's the door. You know, really, uh, getting into heaven for someone relying on religion is like you going up to this massive city with walls that are made of concrete and they're 100 feet tall and all you've got is yourself and you're just trying to find any way in but the walls are 100 feet thick too. And you're going around and you're trying to find any way in and you're knocking and you're, you're, you're trying to find anything to get up over the wall but you just can't do it. You've got no material, you've got no tools, you've got nothing in your strength to get over the walls. And when you're really in your most desperate point, you cry out and say, I need some help. There's no way I can do this on my own. And suddenly right in front of you, a door appears. And it says, Jesus. And all you have to do to get in is walk through the door that your friend made for you. He's made the way he is the truth, he's the life, he is the door, and he says, I want you to come in. Listen, here's the thing about being friends with God. If he was willing to give his son to die on the cross for you and pay for your sins, and then he rose from the dead on the third day, which, by the way, we believe as strongly as anything in the Bible. He defeated our greatest enemy, which is death. Listen, if he could do that, do you honestly think there's anything else in your life he won't be able to handle? See, not only does a true friend let you in, but I like this, a true friend won't let you down. And I'm not trying to be trite this morning, but God has sent friend requests to dozens of people in this room. Maybe he sent one to you and you say, well, I didn't get a notification on my phone. It's not what I'm talking about. I mean, in your heart right now, there's, there's, there's a tug. There's a prompting. There's a little bit of heaviness. There's a little bit of movement. You don't really know what it is. Well, I'm just telling you it's a friend request. And God is offering to be your friend right now. Listen, if you get a friend request, what do you have to do in response? You just have to accept the request. The gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he has extended the gift of eternal life to you. He's holding it out to you. And the same thing you'll do on Christmas morning is you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't earn it. You could never make it happen on your own. You simply, by faith, have to reach out and accept the gift of eternal life this morning. That's it. The way the Bible says it is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, by faith, not works, not religion, not baptism, not my grandpa was a preacher. Simply you making a personal choice to place your faith in Jesus alone to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. That's all it takes for you and God to become the best friends you ever had. God extends the offer of friendship and he wants to let you in. He wants you to come in. See, back to that illustration, there's this massive city with massively high and thick walls and you can't get in. But then suddenly you cry out for help and say, I can't get in, I can't do this on my own. And a door appears and it's all the way in, it goes all the way inside and it's available for you to walk through and it's in the shape of Jesus. And he says, come on in. But so many people see the door, they come right up to the door and they look inside and they say, I'll try to find my own way. And they, so they walk around the walls again and again. Their whole lives, the door to get in was open. And they walk right past it. And there's someone in this room this morning, and you've probably had the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus alone before. But you've passed it by. Well, there's another opportunity for you right now. And I'm just going to encourage you today and beg you. And I don't want to plead or get on my knees, but I would if I could. And say, walk through the door. Place your faith in Christ. Say yes to the best friend you'll ever have. Right now. And God extends the offer of friendship and he wants to let you in. And the only question is, will you receive it? And in your mind you might think, well, you don't know my past. Well, God does, and he still wants to let you in. You say, I've never had a good friend before. Well, who better to start with than Jesus Christ? And you might say, all my friends have let me down. Well, that's probably true because all your friends to this point have just been human. But if Jesus rose from the dead, there's no problem he can't handle. This is a friend that will let you in, and he will never let you down. You say, well, I don't know if he can let me in. Just look around the room. Because none of us are worthy. And this room is full of people whose sin have, should have kept us out. And should have kept us on the outside looking in. But Jesus Christ paid the way for us. And not of our own works. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. It's nothing to do with us. It's just the simple fact that we came to the end of ourselves and we were outside the walls, but that door appeared. And all of us then here that have placed their faith in Christ just one day, we decided to just walk through the door. It's nothing to do with works. It has nothing to do with what I've earned. It has nothing to do with me being worthy. It is all about the work Jesus Christ did on the cross and finished for you and I. A few years ago was our first 
our first time to come to Sioux Falls as a family. It was in summer of 2018, and uh, we were traveling through, and uh, Brother Spencer and I had been talking, and the church didn't necessarily know what was happening, although probably some of you had su- you sus- suspected. We were just coming by to look randomly. Pastor Spencer just felt like the Lord was moving him, and, 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 uh, he, and he just felt like I was the guy. And, and he is a very persistent man, I'll say that, so... So we were visiting in, I think it was July of 2018. We were out in the, I think we were in the foyer, or in, it may be in here, I can't remember the details, but Jace was relaying this story and Aaron was filling in the details, which, because I don't remember the details, okay? She remembers what I was wearing and everything, but I don't remember. So they were filling in, we were ta- telling the story and, and, and we, were, we, had, we were out, it was the first time we were meeting the chambers, Heath and Diana, and we were talking to them and Jace was with us and so they brought Wyatt over, and Wyatt was going to introduce himself to Jace. And so, um, you know, they came over, and, and they said hi, and they shook hands. And like little boys do, I think they were maybe four at the time. I mean, it doesn't seem like it could be that long ago, but it was. And Wyatt ran back off with his friends, and Jace just kind of turns around. They were a little embarrassed, you know, meeting each other for the first time, but they're about the same age. Well, a little bit later, I don't remember how long later, Wyatt comes back over. And if you know Wyatt back then, then you know he had the cutest little way he would talk. And he came up to Jace and he said, would you like to see my Wegos? <laughs> would you like to see my Legos for the translation? <laughs> would you like to see my Wegos? And Jace was telling the story to us this week. And Jace, of course, Legos, he lights up like a Christmas tree. Yes. So they ran off to look at the Wegos. And Jace, in telling the story, after he'd got done telling the story this week, just randomly telling the story to us, he said, and that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> it all started with Wegos. And it just melted my heart. Because I was like, I mean, those two little boys can grow up and be best friends. And, and, and their, their bond will be around Jesus. And they don't have to go walk in the dark mess of the world. They can help each other do right. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship, and it happened at Eastside. And, you know, I, they'll grow up, and I think they are, they are good friends, and they enjoy each other. But... As good as two friends as those boys might be, there's a better friend. And, there's, and you'll never have a better friend than God. He laid down his life as a sacrifice for your sins. And his message is, I want to let you in. And right now, God seeks friends here. It's an open invitation. Friend requests are being extended. And you know the only reason... That some people in this room will walk out without becoming God's friends is because they simply refuse to accept the request. He knocks and he waits and he hopes. And all you have to do is admit your sin, admit you can't get over the wall, and then place your trust in Christ's complete, finished payment on the cross. And then begin a life 
getting to know the best friend that you will ever have. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to ask a couple of questions this morning. Do you know if you died today that you would spend eternity in heaven? If that's something you know 100% for sure, would you just, just real quickly raise your hand? You know 100% for sure if you died today, you'd be on your way to heaven. I'm looking around the room. I see hands everywhere. I'm thankful for that. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you weren't able to raise your hand to that question, you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever met the best friend I could ever have. I don't know if I died today that, my, that, that I would be going to heaven. I don't know what happens after this. I'm not sure. And it's okay if you don't know. But I'm just going to ask you, would you, if you don't know, if you died today, that you'd be in heaven. If you don't know, would you just mind real quickly raising your hand and just admitting that. Look around the room. I see one. Thank you. You can put your hand down here. Looking around the room. Anybody else? I'm looking around the room. You say, I don't know that if I die today. And listen, I know religion is a private thing and it can be hard to do this. Nobody's looking around. This would just be for me. I see that. Thank you in the back. I see that hand. There's at least two that say, I don't know. Listen, I, there's nobody looking. There's nobody talking about it. I'm praying for you. But listen, today, today your friend, God, is extending an invitation to you and he's saying, would you please just come in? I've done all the work. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way. And today's the day that we can become friends. If you would be willing to do that, listen to the best thing you could do today is place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm just going to ask if you would have the courage to step out at invitation when we begin here and come forward, we have people here that would gladly meet you and take you in a different room and show you from God's word very clearly how you can know you're on your way to heaven. Listen, and you could leave this place with a friend you've never known before, but it'll be the best one you ever had. Would you be willing to make that spiritual decision today? I'm going to pray for you and ask that God gives you the courage to do it, to make the choice, to make the decision. There is no greater decision you could ever make than placing your faith in Jesus Christ and settling eternity. Let's stand together. And as we stand, I will pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.